Hey guys, guess guess what? Guess what? It's 2021! Yay! Happy New Year, everyone! Hello, my loves, and welcome back to another episode of So I Got My BFA, the 2021 edition. Today is January 1st. We have officially made it out of 2020. Guys, my name is Kelsey, and this is a podcast where I talk about all of the things that I feel qualified to talk about because I have my BFA in musical theater. I am so excited that today is January 1st, 2021, and that this is the first episode of the new year. Um, But before I get into the episode, I just want to say thank you guys so much for listening. And if you are listening on Apple Podcast, if you wouldn't mind leaving me a rating and a review, that really helps me out. Or if you're on Spotify, if you'll just download this podcast, that helps me out a lot. And it also helps me to know who's listening out there. So I get to connect with you guys, and that makes my heart happy. So Thank you so much for listening, and let's get into the very first 2021 edition of So I Got My BFA. I'm just talking, babbling. This is what you came here for, isn't it? Hello, everyone. How are you guys? How do we feel? We have made it out of the most horrific year. I feel like I've fully experienced in my life and we are on the up and up i feel like uh, spirits are high things are looking up here in duloc you guys 2021 i am not about to say that 2021 is going to be our year because we said that about the past years and it just like every time you say that it never works out so i'm trying like a bit of reverse psychology with the new year you know what i'm saying we're just going to sit back we're going to walk into the new year really quietly and we're not going to touch anything okay no i can't say that i literally stole that straight from a tiktok there's a tiktok sound that's like we gonna walk in real quietly don't touch nothing and we gonna see how it goes okay i love that sound it's so funny but i feel like we're gonna use a bit of reverse psychology on this new year and we're just gonna like let the hands fall as they may you know what i'm saying like we're, we're just gonna see how 2021 plays out but things are definitely on the up and up I have a feeling that by the end of this year, we are going to have somewhat version of normalcy back in our lives. I don't think that that means we're going to go back to completely the way things were before, you know, 2020 pandemic happened. But I do feel like things are on the up and up and we are going to uh, have a better year than last year, to say the least. How have you guys been? How Merry Christmas to those of you who celebrate, to those of you who don't. Happy holidays and um, happy whatever you celebrate. Christmas for me was really, really fun. I got to spend time with my family. We watched a Christmas story, of course. I drank a lot of hot chocolate. I drank it at the in the morning and at the end of the day. I ate until like I could throw up. It was a great day. That's what I love about the holidays is that like calories don't count. You know what I'm saying? You just like eat whatever you want and like who cares because it's the holidays. But yeah, it was just a really, really nice day with family. Guys, Get ready. This is some big news for those of you who are avid listeners. Um, You're going to be excited to know that you no longer have to listen to bad headphone quality because I got a very fancy Blue Yeti microphone for Christmas that I 
can call all mine. I get to bring it back to New York with me and that's what I'll be recording on from now on. It's also really nice if I want to do like um, Zoom voice lessons or if in the future I have an audition over Zoom where I need something that provides a little bit better quality than the microphone on my computer provides. But I'm really excited for that. I also, uh, my brother gave me a ring light, like a really fancy ring light that I'm very excited to play with. I can't wait to uh, do a photo shoot with it and make lots of TikToks with it. Oh, and also, you know, record maybe some self-tapes, but you know, like the ladder of things that I'm going to use my ring light for. No, I'm totally kidding. That's like, honestly, self-tapes were like the main reason I wanted it. I also got a Gilmore Girls book that I am super excited to read. It's called Coffee at Luke's or something like that. And it's just a bunch of, uh, I don't even know what it's about, honestly. I haven't started I haven't started looking at it yet, but it has to do with Gilmore Girls, and I'm really excited to sit down with my Luke's coffee mug that I just ordered and read it. Yeah, I'm really excited. I got some other things, but like you guys don't need to, to know everything I got for Christmas, but those were some of the things that I was really excited about. Honestly, Christmas for me is about um, giving to others and giving back and um, spending time with family, so it's not really important what I got for Christmas. It just, what was important is that I got to be here in a time where a lot of people did not get to be with their family. I was very, very fortunate to have traveled to Texas from New York and stayed COVID free. I got tested and everything. I, I went through the whole process of traveling and I was, I felt very, very blessed that I was able to spend it with my family. And I just feel very lucky that in a very unfortunate year, I could at least end it with surrounded by the people that I love the most. So that was my Christmas. What else happened this week? Oh, guys, for those of you who have been following for the past couple of weeks, you guys know that I set a goal for myself to binge watch the entirety of Gossip Girl, which is um, six seasons and 22 episodes per season, and to finish it from, I think I started like December 11th or something like that, but it goes off Netflix on the 1st of January, which is today. So I made it my mission to watch the entirety of the seasons because, I mean, of course, I never had any interest in watching it before Netflix was like, oh yeah, by the way, we're taking Gossip Girl off of Netflix. And then all of a sudden it became like my life's goal to watch the series. But I want to uh, let you guys know that I have indeed finished the series. I know who Gossip Girl is. I need to talk about this show. And it's it's justified for me to talk about it because this falls under the realm of the entertainment world. I feel like this was a really, really good show, but also such a frustrating one. But I feel like the ones that like frustrate you are the ones that are also really good because they actually stop and like make you think and so when something makes you form such a strong opinion about it, it means that it like was written really well. I have never experienced a show where literally by the end of the series, I hate every single character. And it's not in like a bad way. It's not in a like a, I can't watch this because I don't like any of these characters. It, it's just something where I'm like, I was rooting for certain characters and they were so like the characters were so good and on their way to like redemption or on like a good path until like the last season. And then all of a sudden the writers were like, let's just screw everyone up and make everyone who wasn't good evil and continue like making the evil people evil as well. And so I was just like so frustrated by the end of it because I was like, I don't like 
the choices that any of these characters are making. I don't like it. And also, I I mean, I'm not going to give anything away because you guys might want to watch it and I am not here to spoil anything on this podcast. But I did not like the choice of who ended up being Gossip Girl. I feel like it wasn't that that person wasn't the choice from the beginning. I'm not even sure if they knew who Gossip Girl was going to be from the beginning, but I don't know. It felt just like the safe option and I wanted like the plot twist option. But if you're interested, I'm not sure where it's going to go, but I'm sure you can find it somewhere. You definitely can't watch it on Netflix anymore. I'm sorry to report, but I think they said maybe HBO Max. So if you have that, But yeah, I didn't think I was going to like it, but I actually ended up really being invested in it. And the fact that I could sit down and watch six or seven episodes a day makes me think that it was a really good show. So that's my full-on Gossip Girl report. I really, really enjoyed it. And um, for all the haters that thought I couldn't get it done, you just need to watch who you're talking to because I have already claimed the title of Binge Watching Queen. Everyone knows it. I've been crowned. I I just like own the title. So I get, I get things done. <laughs> you know, if I could be as productive in my normal life as I am about like putting my pedal to the metal and binge watching shows when I need to get them done, man, I would be like the most productive person in the entire world. That being said, I'm recording this at midnight on uh, the night before I need to send it in to my brother to edit it. <laughs> so as you can see, productivity uh, comes and goes with me. But that was my week, pretty much all that happened. And so now I'm going to get into my weekly obsessions. I feel like I'm always behind the bar when it comes to weekly obsessions because I always become obsessed with things like after they're already trendy or after like like years after they were popular. But you know what? That's just life. Cause like I was busy before and now I'm not. So like I can experience things that I wasn't able to experience, whatever it's regardless. My first weekly obsession is Fosse Verdon. I guys, when I tell you, I literally watched all eight episodes in one singular sitting. I'm not kidding. I was obsessed with this show. The whole like Fosse storyline and also his work I've always been obsessed with. Like I pretty much love any show that he choreographed and I am obsessed with Cabaret, the movie. And also I know it was a flop, but like I love Sweet Charity too. And I was always super interested when we would study him in school. Um, We had to watch all that jazz as a project for one of my dance classes. And I was so into it. I could like literally talk about it all day. I just think that like his story as a person is so interesting because he like wasn't a great person. He very much fit the mold of what directors were back in that time. You guys already know about that. But it was so interesting to see the storyline because like I mean all that jazz like mainly focuses on him but this was like it was just such a different perspective because we saw the effect that Gwyn Verdon had on his work and his life and the effect that he had on hers as well and I was just enthralled the entire time I could not 
I literally couldn't not watch the next episode because I needed to know what happened. And when I tell you that I sobbed so hard (laughs) at the end of that series, I am not exaggerating. Just the way they put it together, I feel like it was really well done. And I mean, I'm not going to sit here and give you like a full on review of of what I thought about the whole show, but like it was just put together really well. And I really liked that they like kept going back and forth, but they informed you where they were at in their lives with like the, the time sequences. And when I tell you that they were like eight, the very last one, it was like Sweet Charity on tour eight minutes left, I literally was in tears because I, I like knew what was about to happen, like eight minutes left right before Fosse died. But it was just, it's, it's just so, I think it's a really good explanation into the, just the two of their lives and how they so did not work as a couple. They didn't work as parents together. They didn't work like within their relationship Obviously, like, Fosse was a very um, screwed up person and made things very hard and was just not a good person in general. But the way that they collaborated together was like magic. It was so cool to see the effect that Gwen Verdon had on his career and also the effect that he had on hers. So I highly recommend, I've been talking about it for way too long, I highly recommend going and watching it. It's on Hulu, or I'm sure you can watch it, find it anywhere on the internet, but you didn't hear that from me. It's only eight episodes. There, I believe they're like 50-minute episodes, but I highly, highly recommend, especially if you are a Fosse buff like I am. I'm just like obsessed with like his work and yeah. So I highly recommend going and watching that. My next weekly obsession is me waving the white flag a little bit. I gotta say, I never in my wildest dreams thought that this was going to actually turn into anything. I never thought that (laughs) the community was going to get behind it as hard as it did. But this is me standing up, waving my white flag to Ratatouille the Musical. Sigh. Um, Listen... The Broadway community has stepped up and collaborated, and they have actually created Ratatouille the Musical, something that started as a mere TikTok trend. I simply cannot believe it's happening, but it is, and it's airing on January 1st, which is today, and I believe you can probably still get tickets right now, but they're streaming it. And you can get tickets through ratatousicalthemusical.com, I believe. Or maybe it's just ratatousicalthemusical.com. And Today Ticks also has tickets. And they're only $5. And all of the proceeds are going to support the Actors Fund, which is why I've taken a step down from my soapbox and given in because I will do, I'll do anything to support the Actors Fund. The Actors Fund is so important right now to the entire Broadway community. And if it means that I'm going to sit down and watch Ratatouille the Musical that was created from TikTok, it means that I'm going to do it because I will always support that organization, especially right now. Let me tell you, like, Broadway actors are performing in it. I never thought that this was going to happen, but I will say that I'm excited for it because I like Ratatouille. Like, there, I have nothing against the show. 
what I think my qualms with it, like previously were that like, I just saw it like every time I was like scrolling on TikTok, like it was Ratatouille, the musical Ratatouille, the musical. And I honestly thought it was a joke. And so I was like, I'm so tired of seeing these videos on my feed, but they, the fact that they actually came together and created a musical out of it. Listen, I'm all here for it and I'll go see it and I'll pay my $5 to support the Actors Fund to watch it. Um, So I will give you guys my full review of it. The cast is like amazing. It's like Titus Burgess is Remy, which what a hot take on Remy the Rat. Titus Burgess, okay, I'm here for it. Ashley Park is in it. Kevin Chamberlain. Andrew Feldman, Mary Testa's in it. Like, oh my gosh, like all-star cast. Like, I can't even believe it. I'm, I'm missing a ton of people. Oh, Andre DeShields is in it. It's, it's like a phenomenal cast that I can't even believe that. I mean, it's just something that's, it's so cool to see the Broadway community come together and create things out of a mere TikTok trend. It's very cool. I'm very excited. That wraps up my weekly obsessions. I kept it kind of short because I honestly, I just really didn't have that many obsessions this week. <laughs> that was it. But now we are getting into the first musical of the week of 2021. And you guys know that I'm going to start this year off with a bang, which means that we are reviewing one of my absolutely favorite musicals this week. Drum roll, please. Today, our musical of the week is Newsies. Come on. This is like, I, when I tell you that I had so much fun, like rewatching the musical and taking notes and just prepping this podcast, this has been the most fun I've had. I just love this musical so much. I can't watch it and not smile all the way through, except for the parts where I'm like bawling my eyes out out of happiness. This musical represents like everything that I love about musical theater. High energy. I just I mean we're going to get we're going to get into it, but like raw vulnerable emotion, ensemble work, 150% commitment from the entire cast and crew and just like everything that makes me happy about musical theater is in this show and portrayed through this show. So I'm so happy to be covering it today, and I'm probably going to say that phrase a million times. I'm sure Mickey will edit out a few of them, but I'm just, I I couldn't be happier. This is my favorite, favorite, favorite musicals. This musical has my, like, ultimate dream role in it, so that's another plus. So let's get on into it, because yes, guys, I'm a basic theater girl. Catherine Plummer is my ultimate dream role, and there I said it, and I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed. If anyone wants to um, cast me, hello, here I am. I will sing Watch What Happens For You (laughs) right now. No, I won't because copyright. But let's go ahead and get into it. We are starting with the Wikipedia synopsis. Guys, it's been a while. I feel like I haven't done one of these musical reviews in a while because last week I did the Christmas episode and then the week before I, I, I did like the prom movie review. But all right, let's get into this Wikipedia synopsis. Based on the real-life newsboy strike of 1899, this new Disney musical tells the story of Jack Kelly, a rebellious newsboy who dreams of a life as an artist away from the big city. After publishing Giant Joseph, Pulitzer raises newspaper prices at the newsboy's expense. Kelly and his fellow newsies take action. With help from the beautiful female reporter Catherine Plummer, all of New York City soon recognizes the power of 
the little man. I feel like that was a good one. Do have to say that that was not a Wikipedia synopsis. I believe it was the Broadway.com synopsis because Wikipedia, the Wikipedia synopsis like didn't have plot in it. I think it literally was just like, this is an adaptation of the movie Newsies, which was an adaptation of the Newsboy Strike of 1899. But regardless, that, I feel like it did a pretty good job. I feel like it covered everything. It didn't give away too much plot. It was very to the point, but it like covered everything that I wanted to cover. So I'll give that synopsis a 9 out of 10. Good job, Broadway.com. So let's get right into it. So we start the musical with the prologue, Santa Fe, of course, with just Jack and Crutchy. And so we kind of really see their relationship. And then we also see Jack's like longing to... It's actually super weird because... Usually, we see a character wanting to break away from the small town life, and they dream of going to somewhere that's grander and, like, big lights and camera action and just, like, a bigger life. But Jack's story is kind of, like, anti that. He wants to go to Santa Fe so he can live the small town life. He just wants to live the simple life, and you don't feel like you don't really see that in a lot of storylines. Guys, we gotta talk, before I like actually get into this, we have to talk about the effect that the choreography in this musical has on myself as a person. I think that this choreography is the best choreography. No, okay, I don't wanna say like it's the best choreography in Broadway history, but I feel like as far as choreography that makes sense throughout the show and that it, it just feels like they aren't dancing. It feels like this is just like how they, you know, go about their lives and, and how they how the newsboys like interact with each other and how it just like it feels so natural. And there's never one point in the show when I'm like, why are they dancing right now? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, it always makes sense for them to be dancing and I think that the um, kids that grew up on the street lifestyle like really just heightens that. And I just think that the choreography is so smart in this musical where it, it doesn't it just doesn't feel like you're watching people dance. It feels like you're watching people go about their lives and this is the way that they do it. And that is like my favorite part about the whole show. I love a show that is told through smart choreography. And that doesn't mean that it necessarily, like, it's like Cats, where, like, the whole show is, like, being told through the dancing. But, like, one of my favorite shows is Waitress, and a big reason for that is because of the way, like, like the lyrical, more modern type of choreography tells the story along with the storyline and the the songs and everything. And I just feel like this is, is a show that just does that so well. When was this? This did not win Best Musical. This was would have been 2012. So that was once, I feel like, won Best Musical. Hmm. Okay, I've never seen once. I've only heard a few songs from it. So I cannot be judgy. But I feel like maybe I would have wanted this to win Best Musical because... I mean, it's just like so powerful, the dancing. And I mean, it's it's not 
even a show where it's like, oh, it's just, they're just dancing the whole time. No, the songs and the orchestrations in this book are some of the best melodic lines I've ever heard. Such a powerful score. Just like everything about this musical makes me happy. And I'm going to say that a million times because I just love this musical so much. And (laughs) we're starting 2021 off correctly. So now that I've been on that humongous tangent, let's get right back into it. Oh, in my notes, I said, Jeremy Jordan is so dreamy because he really is like, Jeremy Jordan is my, like, number one Broadway crush. I love him so much. Yeah, he is amazing, and I could I could listen to him sing for all hours of the day. So, Jeremy Jordan, if you want to, like, give me a call and just, like, sing to me at night, that, that'd be fine with me. Oh, I think Jack and Crutchy's relationship is so cute. I mean... I, I want to know, like, more about that friendship. I want to know how... I guess they... I mean, obviously, they met on the streets. But, like, how did that, like, fatherly friend... Like, because Jack is kind of, like, a father figure, in a sense, to Crutchy. I mean, they're best friends, but, like, he's definitely, like, very fatherly to him. I want to know more about that relationship. And also, Andrew Keenan Bolger is, like, literally the cutest human in the entire world. When he says... Uh, when he sings, got a smile that spreads like butter, because he really does. Like, he has the cutest smile. He's just like a, a ball of sunshine. I love him so much. Anyway, so now we've moved on to Carrying the Banner, which I think is a really, really good opening song. I know that, like, the Santa Fe prologue, that's not really the opening song, guys. We all know that Carrying the Banner is the opening song because we are introduced to all of the newsies and we get to see, um, kind of like the going ons of their life and what their job like actually is and what they have to do and what they have to sacrifice and suffer through on a daily basis. We meet Catherine and oh girl this when I say that Catherine is my dream role it it has nothing to do with like the fact that she is like such a powerful character or that this is my favorite show and I just want to be in it and that's the only no 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 no. When I say that Catherine and I are one in the same, I'm not kidding. Like, the way that she interacts with Jack is the way that I interact with people in general. I feel like we we are just, like, so incredibly similar, which is why, like, I only watched this for the first time, I think, like, two years ago because I was going to audition for it, and I had never seen it. I know, bad theater student. But I needed to watch it to, like, see what it was all about. And I literally, like, the show ended and I was like, I am Catherine Plummer. Like, I have never in my life related to a character as much as I relate to Catherine Plummer. It's almost ridiculous. So I love her. It's my dream role. Shout out to my girl Catherine. And also, Cara Lindsay is, like, my idol. I love her so much. I think she's fantastic. She is like the sweetest person in the entire world. She actually, one of my dance teachers uh, was in Wicked with her when she was Glinda on Broadway. And he was able to get her to talk to our dance class when Zoom dance classes uh, before I graduated this past spring. And she was like the nicest human in the entire world. I just like adore her. And I really just like idolize the type of performer she is, the type of performer and the type of person like all in one. I mean, it's kind of like the same thing with why I love Sutton Foster is because like 
the, a person who's like so big on Broadway can also be like so kind and generous and caring and loving and just like an awesome person in general. And so like shout out to Carol Lindsay, like absolutely my idol. I love her so much and does a great amazing portrayal of Catherine Plummer and with that I'm gonna with this podcast is gonna be like 572 hours long if I keep talking at the rate I'm talking um so let's get back into it so carrying the banner ends we get to the part where they have to pay for their newspapers and we meet Davy and Les of course who are two of the main characters they're kind of the new boys on the scene of course Davy is confronted with uh Weasel who is also known as Weisel, and he's like, you have to pay for the papers, and he's like, wait, I have to pay for them before I sell them? That doesn't really make any sense, which is going to be an essential plot line later on in the story, so just make sure you listen to that part. And they're like, that doesn't make any sense, and then Jack's like, don't even worry about it. This is the way it's always been. I'll buy you papers, and Davy's like, bruh, I don't need you to buy me papers. Just let me live my life, and everyone's like, no, 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 no. Let me tell you how it's going to be. I th- it's, like, so wrong that they had to pay for the papers before they sold them because, like, I mean, they're just, like, kids on the streets that literally don't have families, and you're going to make them pay to to work for you? Like, no, that doesn't make sense, which, of course, strikes up the whole union strike, which we will get to. So I guess, like, whatever. If we didn't have that storyline, we wouldn't have a show. Whatever. I get it. And then I think that one of the best parts of the show is the transitions. The transitions are literally so smooth. First of all, let's talk about the set a little bit a little bit. It's just like a bunch of banisters and the way that they move them in and out and to create different scenes and everything. But the transitions, the way that they are choreographed and the way that they like float one scene flows straight into another is immaculate. I have never seen another show where the transitions are literally so smooth because, I mean, they warp that into the choreography. Like, every transition is, like, a whole other dance number in one transition. Like, it's ridiculous. Anyway, moving on from that, we transition from the newsboy paper stand to Pulitzer's office Can I just say that I feel like Pulitzer is one of the lamest villains in the entire, like, I guess this is Disney, so, like, the entire Disney canon. He's literally so lame, right? Like, he's not even, like, I am a big advocate for the villains, too, because I just think that their stories are super cool and they're really fun to play. But, like, Pulitzer kind of sucks. You know what I'm saying? He's just, like evil for no reason. In other shows where, like, the villain is evil, they always have, like, a purpose behind it. I guess, like, money is his purpose, which I guess is a good reason, but it's not even, like, justifiable. There are so many other ways he could have gone about fixing the issue. He literally just chose the easy way out and, in turn, like, made him, that made him evil. And the bottom line is also, I just, like, it's a skip song, guys. Like, I just don't like it. It's It just doesn't enthrall me the way that other, like, villainous songs do. And so, yeah, I just kind of kind of forget about Pulitzer, honestly, sometimes. Which is, like, so crazy because that's the main conflict in the entire show. But, like, he's just pretty, kind of forgettable. Sorry. <laughs> 
So after we see Pulitzer and we see that he's going to raise the prices of the newspapers so that the newsies have to sell more to, to make more, we the next scene is we see Jack and Dan and Les. They're kind of they they meet Snyder, who is the guy who is trying to capture Jack and take him to the refuge. Um, we see them running away, and then we get to the theater where we meet Miss Metal Larkin, the MVP of the show. We love her, and we see her very motherly presence towards Jack and how she has kind of had an influence in his life and their relationship, and it's really cute. She sings That's Rich, and uh, which is, like, it's a bop. I usually, like, skip it, I gotta say, but, like, it is, like, a good song. It's, like, the one song that doesn't really play into the storyline. It kind of sits outside because it's she's, like, performing um, in her theater. So, but I love Meta. She's such a great character. And so the whole meta storyline is kind of there to set up Jack and Catherine's like official meeting, I guess, because Catherine is there covering the show as a reporter, and Jack is obviously there hiding from Snyder. And so the two of them meet, and I love this interaction. I I love like the early interactions between Jack and Catherine because Jack is like so like sleazy, like flirtatious boy. Like he is used to getting his way. I feel like when he flirts, and Catherine is just not putting up with it she's like um okay you can get away from me now because I have a job to do and you're annoying me uh just like me and Catherine are just so similar in that way which is why I can't get a date but anyway it's so cute because that's where we see Jack fall in love with Catherine in a very odd way but uh, and he draws her and she's like I'm not into it until he leaves and she sees the drawing that he created of her and she's like whoa this guy's like kind of talented also maybe he's kind of cute and also maybe I kind of like him but I don't know I'm still gonna play hard to get and that's we love that about Catherine the next scene uh the newsies obviously hear tell of the raise in price of the newspapers and clearly obviously are not very happy about it I mean they can't even afford the papers that they are already selling like it's just so evil of Pulitzer to do that to these boys who are literally working for him for basically nothing I mean they literally like they're not even being paid by him they're literally paying his salary so I don't know what it's just like so confusing they hear tell of this and then they burst into the world will know which I feel like in in the like grand scheme of the show, it's kind of a song that falls slightly under the radar because there are songs that are the the one thing I will say about this musical is that a lot of the songs are very similar thematically as far as we aren't gonna put up with this, we're gonna band together and unite against people. I mean, the world will know, seize the day. They all kind of have similar themes behind them. So this one, I feel like kind of falls under the radar, but it's still like a really, really good song. And I just love seeing like the unity on stage that these songs, that's one of the things I love about the show most is that the, the unity of all of the newsboys is portrayed so beautifully through the portrayal of the characters and it's just like, I don't know, like, it's just something that it, it's, it empowers you as a person to watch this show. So we sing The World Will Know. 
And then, of course, we see them in the pub, and they all are drinking water because they can't afford anything else. And Catherine comes in, and... (laughs) Her comebacks are on point. The one thing I love about Catherine is that she's the vision of progression at a time like this. She's smart. She's independent. She's witty. She's innovative. She's just very, very progressive for like women in this day and age. And I feel like that she is just portrayed really well in this musical. I believe like in the movie, her character is a guy. So the fact that they changed her to be a female just to portray like a whole other side of the progressiveness that this show ultimately portrays, it's just like it was such a great move on the writers of the book. She's such a great character. Watch What Happens is an amazing song because it earns the ending of it. There are a lot of songs that, especially nowadays, that are just like, let me belt my face off, but like for no reason, like I'm just going to do it. But this song, everything that's going on, like she has so many different discoveries. And then by the end of the song, like she earns the right to like belt that high E at the end of it. It just sets up that character so well because she realizes that It's not just the lives of the kids that are in her hands with her writing and her article. It's the start of a new world and a more progressive one, not only for those kids, but for her as a female in the reporting scene. And this is like the beginnings of her being able to be seen not as the female who's just writing an article, but as like a strong, independent reporter with no gender surrounding that and so it's not just the start of the kids lives it's kind of the start of her life as well so that's why I love the song also like does anyone else like watch a musical and then instantly feel the need to like belt out the big song of the show because like I definitely had to sing watch what happens in my room after I watched this but I do that like every day. That's just like who I am. What's new? You, you guys know I'm insane. And so we get through Watch What Happens. And then, of course, we get into Seize the Day, which is basically Jack convincing all the newsboys to band together and not stand for the bullcrap anymore. And it's so breathtaking. This number and the energy that is behind every single step it literally like makes me cry tears of happiness it is so fun to watch I am taken aback when I'm watching theater when I can tell that the actors are 150% committed to the words that they're saying the moves of the choreography, when I can see all of that is driven by like this raw vulnerability of like who the characters are, and you can just see that portrayed through the actors, it is just something that is just like breathtaking to me, and it's why I love theater. I like love something that makes me feel something that necessarily not not that it isn't meant to but that you wouldn't like think that me watching a bunch of 19 year olds dance on stage would like move me so much but like it does and it's it's just like that's the beautiful part of theater where it just like it makes you feel something and 
it just makes you happy. It just like literally like I watch this and I'm just like happy, not because of the situation of the show, but because I just love what theater does for other people. That was a really big old tangent on my part, but what's new? Of course, then they get into this big fight with Snyder and Weasel and all of these, and Crutchy gets taken to the refuge, and Jack at this point is just at his breaking point with all of it. He can't handle what has just happened. He never, I don't think he ever really saw himself, like, getting to this point. Like, again, like, he, all he wants is, like, a simple life in Santa Fe, and now all of a sudden he's the leader of this union strike, and it's costing him his friends, and he doesn't know what's going to come next. So, I am not usually a fan of solos being the ends of acts or like finales of shows, but in this case it feels justified because they just did like the huge like number of seize the day and then like this big conflict happens and then we just see raw vulnerability of Jack and Jeremy Jordan does it so beautifully. Like he just ah he's such a good actor and I mean the voice like come on just like makes you feel all the feels he's so intelligent in this moment of the show where he just like lays it all out on the line he's like I never asked for this I never asked to be the head of anything all I wanted was a simple life and that's all I still continue to want but instead I've I've started and I've created this and now I'm losing my friends because of it when literally all I want is to go to Santa Fe and live a simple farm life and I just think that like that scene that like raw emotion and vulnerability of Jack at that moment is really what this show needs at that point it doesn't need like a big like dance number it literally just needs Jeremy Jordan on a banister singing a high A (laughs) that's all it needs at this point and that is that was act one so hold on to your horses because now we are moving on to act two and we start this with I'm the king of New York one of my favorite numbers in the entire show king of New York is such a change of pace from where we left off in the last act with Jeremy Jordan screaming his face off and it's really cool to see the boys like where they start at the beginning of the act to like how instant their changes and attitude when they see that they are on the front page of this newspaper. Of course, Catherine comes in and delivers the great news that her article was published and they've made the front page. And it's, it's just kind of funny to see their reaction go to, oh, well, we're not making a difference in the world. We're famous. That's what we are. Just like super cool to see like these boys who live on the streets who come from nothing and don't have a lot in their life just to see how they react to this article being published. I love that they used tap in this moment because it's such a dance heavy show. You like assume that like tap is going to be incorporated, but I feel like it's appropriate that this is the only moment where it really comes into play because this is really like one of the only celebratory songs in the whole show. And I just feel like Tap just encapsulates the whole celebration of it all. And I think it's really appropriately used. Um, they definitely could have like said, oh, well, let's make Seize the Day a Tap number two, because why not? It's a dance show. But it, it just like didn't, it wasn't appropriate. It just feels just like the intelligence of the way that the show is put together is just like blows my mind. It's so amazingly structured. And I also love that we get to see Catherine tapping her little heart out too, and she becomes a part of the show. It's so funny that in like every number, 
we see Jeremy and Ben like s- singing his notes and then they like dip out whenever the dancing starts. So I love that like Kara Lindsay can hold her own and tap her way throughout this number. She's amazing and this number is amazing. And we also just get to see the Newsies without Jack because we never really get to see them besides like the beginning of carrying the banner. We never get to see the Newsies without Jack's influence on them. And so it was just really cool to see them come together in a celebratory moment. One of my favorite, and honestly, like, obviously one of the standouts of the show, for anyone who's ever seen it will tell you that. And from there we go into Crutchy at the Refuge. And I know that this was added in the revival, I feel like, or maybe it was added in the tour, but it was not in the original. And I kind of almost prefer that it's not in the show at all, just because I feel like it takes you out of the moment. Like, I almost would have rather seen a transition from King of New York to Jack in Meta's theater, just because I feel like that would, like, flow better. Because it almost feels like when we go to Crutchy, we're kind of, like, taken out of the storyline a little bit, because we never really see any one of the Newsies' individual storylines except for Jack's. And I don't know, like, it just, it just feels out of place. And I think I, I love that Crutchy, like, gets his own song because obviously he's at the refuge and isn't in the rest of the show. But I almost, like, prefer for the story of it all that he, it's not in the show. That's very controversial opinion, I know. But then, of course, we see Jack with Meta. He has just painted this beautiful mural of Santa Fe for Meta to use as a backdrop. And we see Davey come in, and then we see Catherine and Les come in as well. They sing Watch What Happens Reprise. And guys, I gotta tell you, this is the most underrated song in the entire show, but it's literally the MVP of the musical. There, I said it, and I have no regrets about saying it. I am obsessed with this song, first of all, because the four-way harmony, like, come on, like, you cannot beat it. But it's just, like, that method of convincing Jack to come back and fight and stand up for what they started and to just like be the leader that they know he can be. It's just so clever. And I'm obsessed with the harmonies in this song. Like I, this is a song that like could be considered a skip song, but like I will never skip the song because I am just obsessed with it. I think it's so good and it's so well-written and yeah, it's just a really, really good song. (laughs) Oh, one of my favorite lines that Davey says, I have two favorite lines, and this is one of them. The second one I'll get to later on. But Davey says, we're doing something that's never been done before. How could that not be dangerous? And that's in response to Jack being like, well, I'm risking all of these people's lives. And yeah, that's you're not risking their lives, Jack. Like They're risking their lives to get to stand up and fight for something that they believe in. And I just think that that is very relevant in today's society too, people fighting up and standing for what they believe in, no matter like the cost, because people's voices need to be heard. You have to do it, whether it's dangerous or not, otherwise you will never be heard. And so that's one of my favorite lines in the whole show, because I still think it's very relevant to everyday life. Okay, and so then after that, we are transitioned back to Pulitzer's office, and we find out that Catherine is indeed, gasp, Pulitzer's daughter, and I will say that I feel like Jack slightly overreacts to this a little bit. I mean, I understand the shock of it all, but Catherine is obviously working with the Newsies. She's obviously not on the side of her father, 
And I feel like if she told them that, then, like, they would never trust her. So, like, I wouldn't have told them either, but he just kind of, like, doesn't even give her a chance to explain, like, what's going on. I understand that he's, like, upset with her, but at the same time, I feel like it's so evident that she's not playing double agent in this all. And so he just needs to, like, calm down. Pulitzer strikes a deal with Jack. He tells Jack to call the strike off in return for, number one, him not being taken to the children's refuge. And number two, for a buttload of cash. So um, Jack is taken away to sleep in the printing press room. Then we see Brooklyn's here, which is so powerful. I think it is like one of the best uh, songs about uniting the forces, which we see a lot in the show. There are a lot of songs about forces being united, but like Brooklyn's here, I feel like it's the heart of the whole show. Like it is literally them saying, we are here. We are here to fight. We will stand united no matter what. It's the heart of the entire show. I just really like it. Of course, Jack has his outburst. He is telling them that it's not gonna, the strike isn't gonna work because even if they get their way now, like Pulitzer will never abide by it for long and he's just gonna keep continuing to raising the prices. Even if they, if, if he backs down now, he'll just raise the prices again. And Davey's like, yo, what? And so they have this whole confrontation and then he runs away up to his balcony where he finds Catherine. Little Miss Catherine, looking at all of his drawings, he confronts her. And let me tell you, I feel like it's appropriate for Catherine to put Jack back in his place because she wants to change the world just as much as Jack does, even though it's kind of in like a different way. She literally is just as much a part of this process as he is. Even though that this is kind of their romantic song, in their romantic moment in the show, it's about much more than that. It's about her convincing him to see the light and see that there's more than one way to get things done. And that if at first you fail, like try, try again. She's really like the, the rock of Jack in this moment. And this is my second favorite line in the show. I don't know if I quoted it word for word, but I got pretty close. She says, being the boss doesn't mean that you have all of the answers, just the brains to listen to the ones that do. And I think that that's really smart. Like as a leader, like you can't be a dictator. You have to listen to your fellow peers and the people that are helping you throughout this process, because if you don't, then you're going to run it into the ground and you're never going to get anywhere. And so she's like, listen, you had this idea, Davey had this idea, and now I have this idea, which will tie it all up and with a nice little bow. Sing something to believe in, of course. Uh, I love the song. It's such a cute song between the two of them. It's very appropriate for that relationship. I mean, there's still like a very, like, Catherine is like playing hard to get in a sense. I just think like it uh, wraps up that relationship really well. And then we go straight into Once and for All, which is my favorite song in the show. This song makes me cry every single time that freaking banister just comes forward and the harmonies are just blended together. And, oh, guys, I could, I l- could literally talk about the show for hours upon hours, which is what I feel like I'm doing. But it literally, like, this song makes me want to cry. It's just the unity that is shown in this song. And honestly, in the show, just shown through so many different facets, 
it's just like this show is put together so intelligently that I like I can't even believe it. Like it's just it's so well done. It's so well put together. But now that I've gone on that tangent, yeah, Once and For All is like my favorite song in the show. Just because it shows the power that you can have even when the big guns aren't on your side. Like it's it's power in numbers and power in standing up and fighting for what's right and for what you believe in against the forces of evil. And then, of course, we wrap up the show where Jack confronts Pulitzer and along with uh, Governor Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> And Pulitzer ultimately backs down, and he does what he should have done from the very beginning of the whole show. Like, Jack convinces him to not make the newsies pay for the newspapers up front, but instead, like, pay after they sell them, which makes sense from the beginning, Pulitzer. I don't know why you had to be evil about it, but, like, whatever. And then, of course, they convince him to stay. And it's kind of funny because it's like Jack Kelly is, like, the Disney princess in this. It's not even like Catherine's not the Disney princess. Like Jack is the Disney princess. Like he kind of voids what he wanted to do with his life to stay with her and to be with her and to be surrounded by the people that he loves rather than go to Santa Fe, which I mean, I don't, I don't know in that situation, like what feels like more right for him to like go to Santa Fe and live his life. Or I don't know what's like, I feel like, life in New York at that moment is better for him. So he did make the right choice. And then of course they wrap it up in a very, this is like the one like moment where I'm like, okay, this is a Disney musical because the rest of the show doesn't really feel like Disney, but like this moment does. It's like they do the reprise of um, King of New York. That's like the, the finale is like the one moment I wish was like a little bit like different but it is a Disney show and they had to wrap it up the way all Disney shows do the girl kisses the guy and then they sing a reprise of the popular song in the show but that's the musical this musical is so good however I feel like it only works when you have a cast that is a hundred percent committed a hundred percent of the times I feel like this is a hard musical to do in high school first of all because of the choreography but second of all, because of like the commitment that it takes to do the show, because the magic behind the show is the commitment of the actors. And it's the 110% energy all the time that makes this really exciting theater. And that's why I am obsessed with this, because they do such a good job at capturing the emotion of these kids and where they're at. And the choreography is just so well placed in the show. Because these kids, they really think that they can make a difference in their world. And they're tired of being stepped on because of their social standing. You see that in the performance. And it literally feels like we aren't watching a performance. It feels like we're watching real life. And it just makes you super excited to see these kids so passionate about something. The music is phenomenal. The dancing is phenomenal. And overall, just like a great musical with like no flaws. I mean, other than the fact that Pulitzer is not my favorite villain, like that feels irrelevant to me. He does what he needs to do to be relevant in the show. It doesn't feel like his storyline is like a burden to the show. It it feels like he's in it just enough for it to make sense and for the show to work as a whole entity. So literally, I feel like this musical is kind of flawless and I've never, I feel like I haven't said that about a musical yet. So like, that's really exciting. So now that we've done the full review of the musical, 
Let's get into my favorite character, my least favorite character, my Tony Award winning moment, my rating, and then of course, my dream cast. So obviously my favorite character is Catherine. I've already established that. She's like my one of my favorite female characters out of all the female characters in the Broadway canon, just because like she's driven, she's smart, she's like really intelligent, she's independent, she doesn't bow to the will of a, of a man, like she is gonna get stuff done on her own. And I don't know, like she just like, she's my favorite character, I've already stated why pretty much. But because she's my favorite character, I do want to tell you guys who my favorite newsie is because I have to have a favorite newsie. My favorite newsie is Race. And less, kind of, but I'll get to that in a second. I just think that race embodies the newsy so well. Like, he's like that scrappy kid, but he's not like the born leader that Jack is, and he's not like the kid that like comes from an actual like family like Davy. Like, he's just like full on, like, he's the scrappy. I'm the king of New York because my picture's on the front page. I feel like he embodies what the rest of the newsies are. He just gets like a little bit more than the rest of the newsies do as far as like character development, I guess. But yeah, I just love his personality. I think it's so funny. He has some of the funniest lines. Yeah, so he's my favorite newsie. My least favorite character is Weissel. I just feel like he is evil for no reason and he doesn't have a singular ounce of character development in this whole show. And even like Pulitzer gives in at the end, but like Weasel, Weissel, whatever his name is, he just doesn't do it for me. He's just mean to the newsies for no reason and he's just not a good character. So he's my least favorite character. I have no explanation other than that. The Tony Award winning moment is 100% when they're standing on the balconies, the banisters, I don't really know what they are, in Once and For All, and they sing, there's change coming, and they're all like, it's just like coming forward at the audience, like that is a powerful moment, and 100% my Tony and gold star moment of the entire show, it's that moment that makes me like burst into tears every time I watch the show, because you just see like the unity in that moment more so it's more prominent in that moment than it is like throughout the rest of the show and it's just it's so good and moving and powerful and with that let's get into my rating of the show i mean it's pretty simple this is a 10 out of 10 it's 10 out of 10 brooklyn newsies that's what i'm giving it 10 out of 10 i don't feel like this has any flaws that's my own opinion. You can disagree with me, but I feel like this is a flawless musical, which is exactly why I wanted to start off 2021 with it. And I just, oh, it's just so good. This is why, like, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but this beats something else out for like my favorite musical. You can go back to whichever podcast that was, maybe Once on this Island, that podcast where I reveal what my all-time favorite musical is. And there's a reason that this one wins the day. And it's because it's a 10 out of 10 and I have absolutely no complaints. It's so good. I've said it a million times. It's just, it's just so smart and makes me happy. It makes me happy to see, again, this show is an ensemble show. I love ensemble shows I, because, first of all, a musical doesn't work without the ensemble. But when you have a show that is literally created to be a show where the ensemble is the show like that is something that just like makes me super happy to, to watch in musical theater it's one of my favorite parts about theater in general and yeah it's just 
a great show with a great st- simple storyline, but a powerful way to f- way of telling it. And I think that that is just, again, some of the best parts about theater. And with that, let's get into my favorite part of the podcast, which is, you guys know, it's the Dreamcast. I love casting these shows. It's just so much fun. And I love like having different ideas because my when I put these Dreamcasts together, they change all the times. And usually I have like two because I literally can't pick. So for a lot of these, I do have multiple options. But yeah, we're just going to go with it. So for Jack, I have my man. Oh, I love him. You know I love him. It's Jelani Aladdin. I feel like he would be such a good Jack. And who wouldn't fall in love with him? And I also have Adam Jacobs as well, because I feel like Aladdin and Jack are like very similar characters. And I feel like he'd do a really good job as that as well. But like for my number one choice, I have Jelani Aladdin because he's my man. And I think he'd be a great Jack Kelly. For Davey, I also have two options. My first one is Derek Klenna. And my second one is Aaron Tveit mostly because they're like the same person in my mind (laughs) Um, and they just like scream Davey energy to me so that's for that for Crutchy I said Chris McCarroll I think he would be so cute as Crutchy and uh, yeah I just think he'd do a really good job for Catherine I had the hardest time I literally have three people written here that are like age appropriate to play play Catherine but I simply Carol Lindsay played it so well and I simply can only see one other person playing it at the level that she was able to portray the show. And that is just like a young Sutton Foster. So like not Sutton Foster right now, obviously, because she's older, whatever, blah, blah, blah. If, even though she looks like she's 25, whatever. But I just think that like, what was she? She was doing Violet at this time, right? I'm not even sure. Maybe if Sutton was like a little bit younger, she would have been great for this role at the time that this show came out. Yeah, she, I mean, she's like, she literally embodies Catherine. But for like age appropriate right now, if I had to cast right now, I would say either Ashley Park. I think she would do really go- a good job. Or Philippa Sue, I feel like would also be a good option. But I really want to see like a young, like Millie type of Sutton Foster play Catherine. I really just want to see that. For Les, I said the only, like, young child actor who's probably way too old to play this role now, but, like, in my mind, he's still, like, six years old in School of Rock. Luca Padavan, I said, would play, would be a really good Les. And then for Meta, I have Cheryl Lee Ralph, who was the original Muzzy in Thoroughly Modern Millie. I feel like they exert the same type of energy. And then for Pulitzer, this is kind of a hot take, but I feel like Norbert Leo Butts would be a really good option for this. It might be because I literally just binge-watched all eight episodes of Fosse Verdon, and the character that he played in that made me think of him as this character. But, like, I think he'd be a really good Pulitzer. So that's my dream cast, and that wraps up our musical of the week. I'm so excited that I got to start off 2021 with my absolute favorite musical and I hope you guys enjoyed my analysis of it which was really just me fangirling over it the entire time so an hour of that I'm sure that's so much fun to listen to (laughs) but um let's move on to the game portion you can't see me but in game I put in air quotes because this is less of a game and more of a fortune future telling thing that I put together but I wanted to make 
2021 predictions. Because it's really not fun to like play a game by yourself, which is what I am right now. I'm by myself. If you couldn't tell, I'm just sitting in my my room alone just recording this podcast with no one else here. So I wanted to make 2021 predictions because I wanted to see if any of them come true by the end of 2021. Because if so, I'm a fortune teller and I haven't recorded. So that's fun. So I have a lot of like theater predictions because... When it comes down to it, this is a theater podcast, but I have a couple of like predictions that just like aren't theater that are more like style, like trend predictions that I just want to like put out there because who knows, I still want to see if they come true, but I'll start with like my theater predictions. So my first theater prediction is that in 2021, Broadway will reopen and we will be back in the theater and thriving back in at full force with some like probably some like social distance like restrictions and I'm sure there will be like mandated restrictions but like hopefully by the end of 2021 we will be back in at full force and hopefully with the vaccine that will help get us back on our feet so that is my first prediction of 2021 My next prediction is that um, because of this Ratatouille, the musical that has come from TikTok, I am predicting a second TikTok musical, and the animated movie I've chosen for that is Inside Out. I believe that by the end of 2020, we will have a second TikTok musical, and it will be the movie Inside Out. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, My next prediction is that finally someone is going to create a musical adaptation of The Princess Diaries. I'm hoping this more for my sake because I would love to play Mia Thermopolis. That's like my dream role in a musical. Um, And so I'm just putting it out there that I think that by the end of 2021, we will have a Princess Diary, the musical. I know that this is something that people are asking for. Like people want this to be a musical. That was like my Princess Diaries was my childhood growing up. And I would love to see it in musical form. And if we're just going to keep adapting movies to be musicals, then why not Princess Diaries should be next, right? I think so. So just putting that out there. And then... My next prediction is that Sondheim will come out of this quarantine and say, I have done it. I have put together my very last orchestrations and I'm going to release my very last musical. This is what I've been doing in quarantine. Either that or a musical about Sondheim will be produced. Like, you know, like Fosse, the musical? Or I guess the review, but something like that. So either Sondheim will announce that he has created one last musical for us all to enjoy, or some type of musical will be created around Sondheim and who he was as a person. And then my very last one about the musical side of things is that they're going to announce the Wicked movie again, but we won't hear about it for the next five years. So there's going to be an announcement that there will be a Wicked movie to be released in probably 2022. But then when the time comes, like we actually won't hear about anything and it'll probably get pushed back again until 2025. That's my prediction. Um, And I mean, like I've got like history on my side on that one. So you can't really tell me that I'm going to be wrong about that. And then, okay. So my next prediction category is like 
television shows, I guess. So I'm going to predict that Grey's Anatomy will announce their last season in 2021. Whether that be season 17 is going to be the last season or they're going to announce that they're doing a season 18 and then it's going to be over. But they, I believe that they will announce that Grey's Anatomy will be ending. And then my second and last TV prediction is that Miss Maisel will have a musical episode because it just feels appropriate for Miss Maisel to have a musical episode. So I can't wait for that to happen. Um, Amy Sherman-Palladino, if you're listening to this podcast, just like help a girl out. Like I'd really like to be able to say that like it came true in 2022. So just like let me just like hear me out and create like a musical episode if you could. That'd be nice. And okay, so like the rest of these predictions are more like trends that will happen. Does everyone remember when when we were in high school in like 2012 or 2013 and we put feathers in our hair? So that trend's gonna come back in 2021 and it's gonna come back because of like a famous TikToker did it. So like Charlie D'Amelio is gonna put feathers in her hair one day and then like the next day we're gonna see all these girls with feathers in their hairs. Like that's gonna happen. My next style prediction is that colored eyeliner is going to make a comeback. I'm also going to predict that leggings as pants is going to go out of style. I am hoping that this does not happen because literally I don't wear anything but leggings. But I have a feeling that leggings are no longer going to be appropriate. And it's going to be like you have to like some like funky jeans or like funky flowy pants are going to be like the, the style of 2021. I'm hoping that this one doesn't come true because I literally don't wear anything but leggings. And then my very last prediction for 2021 is that there's going to be some scandal in the beauty community on YouTube because why wouldn't there be? There has been one every year. So like, I mean, this is a, this is a toss up. Like it's going to happen. Like we all, we already know. Those are my 2021 predictions. If I am still doing this podcast in 2022, which I never know. I will go back and see if any of these predictions came true. So that concludes the game slash prediction portion of the podcast. And so we finally are going to get, we're going to wrap up this podcast with my favorite, favorite, favorite part of the whole podcast. It's the weekly advice column where I give my newly graduated with a BFA in musical theater advice to all of my listeners, whether you be a young performer, whether you be a performer who is just recently starting college or whether you're someone who's been performing forever and just like wants to hear some advice of me for some reason or if you're my age and you just graduated or wherever you are in life hopefully that this advice column is somewhat helpful so my advice this year and I feel like this kind of wraps up 2020 and the way that we should look back on 2020 is to take negative thoughts whether that be about yourself, whether that be about the progress that you're making in whatever you're trying to do, take the negative thoughts that you're having and turn them around and make them positive. This was actually a project that I had to do my freshman year. We had to like literally write out negative things about ourselves and then make them positives. And it's just like a good exercise to practice that all throughout life because when you look at things negatively you're never going to be able to progress past that because if you say 
oh, well, I was, I was like really, like I cracked on that note. I was really bad tonight. Like that's not constructive and that's not helpful. But if you say, oh, I cracked, but it's because I didn't have any breath support. So I will continue to work on that in the future. That's more helpful than just being hard on yourself and just looking at the fact that you cracked in a negative light and not looking at it as, oh, this is a learning moment and I need to take a bigger breath before I sing that note next time. So like make it a positive in in any type of way. I mean, that's just like one example, but like, and I think that's the way that we should look at 2022. Like instead of harping on all of the, and trust me, there were a lot of bad things that happened in 2020. Take a look back on it and look at all the good things that happened. One of my things is, is that the Broadway community, even in its darkest hour, and I literally mean darkest hour, like they have been dark for almost a year now. They have still been able to come together in so many different ways, not just once, but like multiple times. And they have created and collaborated and inspired the entire artistic community, I feel like, in so many ways in 2020 because of, of everything that they have been able to collaborate on and put together and I mean, even this like Ratatouille the musical is just like the final thing of 2020 that they have been collaborating on and putting together and in support of each other. And just like, it's super inspiring to see that. So instead of like looking back and saying, oh, Broadway was dark for 2020, that's like, that sucks. Like, ugh. look at it as like, look at what came out of Broadway being dark and look at the art and the collaborations that happened because of it. So just to wrap that up, like, just like look at the positives instead of harping on the negatives. And trust me, you will grow and you will progress so much faster if you don't stay locked in the past and um, harp on all of the negatives that happened in your life. That's the advice of the week. I hope that was helpful to anyone listening. Thank you guys again so much for listening to this podcast. It really means so much to me that people are actually continuing to click on each week and listen to me babble, whether you make it through all the way or not. I hope that people are at least, like, if they don't want to listen to the whole thing, they're at least skipping through to the end because I really do love the advice column and I love giving you guys advice. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, it means so much to me. Uh, and again, if you could just leave me a rating or a review, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, that helps me out so much and it helps me to connect with you guys. If you want to find me personally, I'm on Instagram at underscore Kelsey McFall underscore, or you can find me on TikTok where you get to see a more creative side of me at KelseyMC137. I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening. Happy New Year. You survived 2020. We did it together, and um, I can't wait to move forward with each and every one of you guys this year. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next week. Bye, guys.